You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. my snow day after your snow day i was uh, in the west end <laughs> i didn't want to drive except when you emailed in to for me to read the message to the air you said you were snuggled up in your bed or something yeah i was in the bed in the west in end. the west end okay <laughs> i work from home well so i'm either at my home or my boyfriend's home i just <laughs> i thought it was very funny that you wouldn't say oh i'm stuck at work you would say, I'm just, I'm not going to leave. I'm not, I'm not leaving my house, everybody. But Enjoy. my home is my place of work. I know. I'm just saying people wouldn't know that. Anyway, right. it doesn't matter. It, this now is irrelevant. Now this is irrelevant. <laughs> people know you're back. We're here. Yes. Um, uh, we've got a great episode ahead. We're going to be talking about Cold War, a movie that we both saw. Very good. And I think, at least for me, I think that was the last Oscar movie that I needed to check off my list like i think i'm pretty much seen everything i still haven't seen vice but oh it's so it's worth seeing for maybe, the acting maybe i'll it's see worth this seeing. weekend um we've got some great fan questions we're going to quickly preview the oscars coming up uh this weekend or at least uh kind of just touch upon them one more time as we get into it um and then we have uh, lots of fun headlines to go through because we haven't done not a great plan for three weeks so we're going to catch up on all that and those three weeks flew by yeah and honestly like my fault every time i'm just i every show <laughs> i just haven't been paying attention to the clock and we just get into such great conversations that i don't pay attention but Today, we will go back in yes. time and talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to start off with some fan questions. We have a couple to start us off here. First comes from Ray, who says, Hi, all capitals. Screening and Kingston team, really love when you bring guests on. It adds a real cool dynamic to the show. But I was wondering why every time you bring on a guest, one of Mike or Taylor is not there. Is that by design, or do you have the ability to have three people on at once? Thank you for taking the time. Well, we just talked about why Taylor wasn't here last Snow week. day. Was, Taylor was supposed to be here. Yes. You I was fully in, like emailing Mike that morning, being like, mm -hmm. am I coming? Am I not coming? So... Yeah. Um, we would have. We do have the technical ability to have three people at once. Mm -hmm. We actually could have four. Oh, well, actually, we probably could have more. Actually, we we like it, too it, many it, cooks in the kitchen at yeah, that point. Yeah, we we have the ability to have several people on air. But yeah, they, they, by design, it was supposed to be three of us last week. But Taylor decided, you know what? My bed's nicer. <laughs> So I'm not leaving. And then the, uh, I needed a week off uh, the week we had Matt Salton in, so so that's why um, I wasn't here. And I think I think the only other time was Wendy came on to co-host because you were away one weekend. Yes, like the second episode, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the yeah pretty much by circumstance, Ray. That's the only reason um, we can have multiple people on. Um, I'm sure we will eventually. Well, maybe one of our winners of the oscar that's pool. true the contest winner of our oscars uh poll will um pool whatever whatever it is uh <laughs> will join us on air and i'm sure taylor will leave her house for that 
I will. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I have to get skis, I will. Okay, great. I'll do it. Um, which is a good time for us to just do a quick reminder that um, you can enter our Oscars pool um, up until Friday. So you have until Friday to enter. Um, you just go to the website that's out on our social media, or you can just email us at screeningandkingston at gmail.com to get that link. Um, we've had lots of amazing entries, including I have a bonus question at the end of it. I'm looking for an onion and cheese dip of of sorts so people have been responding to the bonus question with little recipes so make sure you send me your recipe with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> i feel like maybe you're abusing your oscar pool <laughs> what? power but what i just I, I want to enjoy myself and have yummy dip and i can't so i'm asking people to help me and people have been responding i mean i'm not forcing it. it's an optional question i mean i guess like oscar parties people do have appetizers absolutely just because i'm stuff. having an oscar party of one doesn't mean i can't have dip <laughs> what are you saying amazing uh thank you for the question ray moving on to brian uh who writes in uh, this is before I start this. I really like how when people are complaining about something, they don't say hello; they just dive right into it. But when they have like just a question, they hi. say hi. Yeah. Anyway. Screening into Kingston team. Yeah. So <laughs> Brian um, has an issue. Brian says that last fifteen minutes of your last podcast sounded like somewhat intellectual rhinos banging their horns together to see who could establish dominance over the other can't you both just enjoy a movie without trying to make it sound smarter than it is so that comes from brian so that was referring to ben and i last week we went off on a bit of a tangent for the last 15 minutes and kept talking about the favorite longer this is what we happens when i'm away for yeah. one episode <laughs> well you know you know ben and I, I think, just hit upon some themes that we were both passionate about. So, I mean, certainly I will say, I mean, if I always think when pe sometimes people word things in a way like I'm going to assume Brian's just concerned and wants to know, like, what's going on. Like, we weren't angry at each other whatsoever. I listened to the episode. I felt it was more just a discussion. Yeah. And you both liked the favorite. Yes. But you were we arguing did. about kind of the merit of film and whether or not yeah. you can rank film on, like, a sliding scale. And to me, like... I would actually say we were having a discussion and discourse. We weren't fighting or arguing. Like, I guess we were disagreeing, but I would still say we were having good discourse over it. Like, it was polite. I don't think we, either of us took it super personally. I mean, yeah. I, I won't speak for Ben. Maybe he's sitting somewhere fuming, fuming about <laughs> our discussion. But I think we both enjoyed the movie on such a level that yeah. we felt we could have this discussion, which is a good thing. That's a mm -hmm. good thing for that movie. Like, I think that shows credit to the film. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we were trying to be dominant over the other person. I, I was trying to let Ben fully speak because when we bring guests on, I want to make sure they have a chance to talk because I talk a lot. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I, I was, talk a lot too. Yeah, I was being mindful of letting him speak, but then getting my, my piece in there as well. But yeah, I, I feel like it was fine. I, I, it was long, but I don't think you were rhinos. <laughs> no, no, it was long, but that's just, you know, we just kind of got into it and it was Things good. Things happen. Um, it's and live, then, live radio. Yeah. And, and I think that like, I do think the movie's pretty smart or, you know, the, to Brian's kind of question about why can't you just like let a movie be a movie? Like, yeah, like. I think you can, for a lot of movies, just enjoy it and not mm -hmm. worry too much about it. But I do think this one was one that was trying to say a, a multitude of things. And that's kind of also what you guys were discussing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to work through some of the themes of the film. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, I mean, Brian, I, I, I hope you still enjoyed 
the movie and enjoyed the episode. But yeah, I mean, honestly, like if we could have made it longer than 15 minutes, we would have. We'd have talked about that for hours. Don't worry, Brian. I won't let it happen again. (laughs) There you go, Brian. You have Taylor's guarantee that that will not happen again. Uh, Next, we have Ryan. All our names rhyme today. This is great. Brian to Ryan. Uh, Ryan says, again, see, high screen in Kingston. Um, Really enjoying the podcast and had some ideas for you. I really love to hear your thoughts on some specific types of movies. I see you often do some themed shows. Maybe your next top 10 list could be action movies or thrillers. I'm not a big horror fan myself, but I love thrillers that maybe have some parts that are scary, but not a traditional horror film. If you have any suggestions for that type of film, that would be great. Otherwise, I'd love to hear your top 10 list. Uh, Yeah, Ryan, we definitely could do more top 10 lists. I think we try to wait to theme it to something. So Mm -hmm. if like a really interesting thriller was coming out, we could theme that episode to it, you know. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're looking for just general thriller suggestions, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't watch a lot of thrillers, to be honest. I watch more like traditional horror films. So this would be something that I would have to think about. I mean, I know what he means. Like, I I like Like, horror films. M. Night Shyamalan Yeah, like, M. Night Shyamalan movies are really good because it's, like, more tense. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, a film that we reviewed this year on the show, Searching, was a great thriller. It it was a more, you know, it wasn't really scary, but but it certainly made you uneasy Mm -hmm. and and left you with that feeling of of anything could happen at any point in time. So Searching would be one. Yeah, anything by M. Night Shyamalan does a great job with thrillers. Um, Even a lot of Hitchcock's movies. Yeah, I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. Yeah, like... um, Vertigo, Rear Window. Rear Window, thank you. That's the one. Yeah, Rear Window is one of my favorites. I really enjoy that. 39 Steps is one of his really early ones, Mm. which features um, the main character is Canadian, weirdly. Oh, really? I think he's like... They make a point of saying he's... Canadian. It was Canadian. <laughs> okay. So that's one of my favorite Hitchcock ones, um, 39 Steps. Yeah, and I, and I think, like, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting thrillers out there. One of my movies that I, I think I've mentioned on the show on, like, our Halloween list was Finder's Fee, which I find to be a really cool thriller. It's one of my favorite movies. that one all movies. the time. Yeah, I bring it up a lot. That's, that's one I would suggest if you're looking for a really solid thriller. Um, that's a really good one. One that really made an impression on me because I watched it way too young was Sleeping with the Enemy. Sleeping with the Enemy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think well, I was how like young were you? eight. Like oh. very young. Like I was at my grandma's house and she was babysitting us, but she is very Eastern European. Oh. So just would kind of let us do our own thing with oh, the I TV. <laughs> so my sister and I watched Sleeping with the Enemy, which I, like so much too young. I remember my... I think it was, yeah, I think it was like my grandmother was visiting when we were the young and, and she was shocked that we were allowed to watch Grease because I think like I wanted to watch Grease or something. And she's like, your parents let you watch that? I'm like, yeah, why? Because everything went over my head. Like I had no idea yeah. what was in Grease whatsoever until later. And I watched, oh, often when I was watching Grease, I was watching the TV edited version. So oh, like were you? some oh, yeah. of the, like the the allusions to Rizzo being maybe pregnant and stuff, mm. I think were either ed- edited out or, or less. Yeah. Obvious. I, I had the VHS that I think I just uh, played it over no. and over again. Um, but yeah, the, I, those are some thriller suggestions, Ryan, but yeah, I, I feel like stay I, tuned for our top 10. We will, we can do that. We can do a top 10 list of action movies and thrillers. We just have to wait for a time where I think it makes sense. Yeah. Actually, we're just talking about, we don't know what to do for next week's episode. So, so. there you go. Thrillers. <laughs> so maybe that'll be it. So, but stay tuned, Ryan, we'll, we'll get to that for sure. Uh, our last question comes from Erica, who has some pretty big issues with my voice. Um, Erica wrote in what, two weeks ago. 
saying that there was something wrong with my voice. And Erica continues to say, I'm telling you, something is up with Mike's voice. Go listen to the Oscars episode in comparison to the others. It's totally different. There's about four exclamation four. points. Four. Yeah, four exclamation points. Um, okay. To be fair to Erica, because I want to be fair, I did go back and listen to that episode, and I know what she's hearing. I'm not speaking from the same, like, I, I speak from my diaphragm. Went on air. Went on air. And a lot of the times in my life, because I'm just used to doing that, because when I was acting a lot, when I was doing theater a lot, that's the proper way to project project and to project in a way that's not going to harm your voice to not yell or scream like i can talk longer talking from my diaphragm i did not do that for the oscars podcast you're a little more casual i was a little more casual (laughs) a little more in a ball a little more just sitting there you know so i was like a lump so that's what she's hearing yeah so to be fair i get what you're saying erica we did make fun of you a little bit i I understand i did my homework i did go back and take a look you're right. That episode, I'm not speaking the same way I normally do. But it wasn't intentional. No, Erica's no. previous comment was that, oh, maybe Mike's trying I'm something trying new. Something with his voice. No, no, no. <laughs> I I did not do that intentionally. Are you going to read Erica's second point? I was not. <laughs> I want, you want to. Me to. Okay, you can do it. Erica says. Also, that last episode was hot. There you go. And I wonder why. I mean, I listened to it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it's Paris Hilton. That's hot. Like, good. Yeah. Because doesn't Paris Hilton use that for, like, yeah. that was a great, great episode? Maybe she thought it was sexy. It was a great episode, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we were just talking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you're you're looking at me like you want me to, like, comment more on this, but I don't really have anything to say. I don't know. Erica has to give us some ju- juicy details. Actually, Erica, don't. <laughs> It's fine. Let's just leave it. You were right about the voice. Let's just leave it at that. Anyways, you know who I miss hearing from? Who? Roland. Roland Coleman. Coleman? Did I get it wrong? Ronald Coleman. Ronald Coleman. That's who I miss. Yeah. We haven't heard from him since before Uh, Christmas. Yes, I think before Christmas, yeah. So give us a shout. (laughs) There you go. You heard it here, Ronald Coleman. Taylor would like you to. I liked your long stories. Yeah. Mike didn't like them because he has to read them but i loved answering them. <laughs> on air on air not that i have to read them in general i have to read them on air it's just yeah but anyways like we've discussed many times on here it's really hard to read something while oh, yeah. also tr- having a microphone in your i face. can't like, do it's, it. it's tough which yeah. was another struggle of that oscars episode because i was in front of a computer the whole time yeah well ronald or anyone else or if you, roland <laughs> or roland if you're out there uh if you would like to ask us a question simply email us at screening at gmail.com you can also use the hashtag screening and ygk on any social media platform just find us on social media we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook we love to hear everybody's comments please uh send them in because that's that's our favorite part of the show It's talking to you yeah. talking to the fans love it um okay so let's let's talk about cold war Let's dive right into uh, it. Loved it. Okay, interesting. Let's let's go. <laughs> let's do this. So, what did? Okay, let's let's talk about that first. What did you love about the film? So, oh my gosh, this movie felt like a Soviet movie from the fifties or sixties. Which, if listeners, you've never watched any sort of Soviet cinema, do yourself a favor and definitely watch some. Off the top of my head, I can think of uh, the Ascent. And uh, I believe it's called The Larks Are Rising. Um, 
both World War II dramas made, I believe, in the 1960s by Soviet filmmakers. Beautiful. Like, Soviet cinematography, I can't even begin. They, like, wrote the book on cinematography. The cinematography in this film is some of the best cinematography I've ever seen. And to me, it, like, I can definitely see Eastern European influences. Mm. Um, I think they're up for best cinematography. They are. So they're up for three three Oscars, best cinematography, best achievement in directing, and best foreign language film. And deserves every single one. I, I mean, first of all, I completely agree with the cinematography, the direction, the best foreign language film. Like, it's a great, it's a great film. I have some thoughts. Please, And some share. criticisms. But before I get there... I just want to say, I thought the direction in the cinematography was above a standard of excellence. Like, I, to me, after seeing this, they're my front runners of who I would give for cinematography and direction. This is like benchmark. Like, yeah. people who oh, want to learn cinematography, watch. Yes, 100%. And Cold even War. direction, even direction. Like, that's the thing. Like, the difference between cinematography and direction to me is yes, the cinematographer does choose a lot of things with the camera, but the director is telling the editors what to keep and what not to keep, yeah. Use, utilizing the actors and the scenery within there. The cinematography works a lot with lighting and works a lot framing. with framing, but the director is also putting within that frame. The actors and the one mise en scene. Yeah. <laughs> as one may say. <laughs> we don't want to become too intellectual. Though, this right? is Cold War. This movie deserves be, our don't want to be too our intellectual textbook here. definitions. But I think that like I think it achieved so much as a film and as something visual mm-hmm. it, it, that like I would be like I was going into it being like, well, Roma was really good in right. a lot of those ways. I think this exceeded in a, in in a lot of those ways, in terms of like stylist, yes, stylistically. yes, exactly. Stylistically, I felt like, and the black and white really worked. Didn't mm-hmm. bug me at all, which I was surprised at. And it's just like everything within it worked. However, where I felt it failed and Roma succeeded was I just didn't really connect with this story. That's fair. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if like I've seen it before. I kind of came out of it being like. Wow, like amazing cinematography. That direction was great. Okay, time to move on with my life. Like that was it. Like there was just nothing that stuck with me about these characters, about the struggles they went through, about their life and their romance. I was just kind of like, okay, like it's kind of a setting that I'm I'm not familiar with in terms of me, but I'm familiar with on a film mm-hmm. standpoint. Okay, two people coming out of a thing, they're from different backgrounds, they fall in love. Okay. Like I just, I don't know. There was just a big part of me that was kind of like, I get those Oscar nominations because uh, other than like best foreign language film, it's basically like, here's the, here's the, the logistical awards. Mm-hmm. But then I just felt like the story kind of fell flat. I, um, my family, like on my mother's side mm. of my family is Eastern European. Mm. They're from Russia. So I, um, kind of have emotional ties mm-hmm. to this part of the world mm-hmm. and then also i study the cold war yes, so yeah yeah so this time frame really <laughs> speaks to you then this too, time right? frame, yeah. I, i've been to poland yeah. like i love eastern europe i love um the culture the storytelling yeah. um like the, the whole uh emphasis on the constructed nature of folk music like that to me was amazing like that's a paper into it like itself i could write so this movie checked all the boxes yes, for me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like I, emotional I talking about oh, it. Oh, like, Taylor, there's no movie that I've ever walked out of <laughs> since we do do this show. Be like, this is for Taylor. Yeah. This is like this fits you 100. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and I'm a sometimes 
almost protective of that those kind of stories because I'm like this is mm -hmm. a, a a story that um, is essentially like my family story. Mm -hmm. Like my family was able to flee the Soviet Union after World War II. Mm -hmm. Like they. Um, my grandma was displaced and didn't have to go back to the Soviet Union, but mm -hmm. had she had gone back to the Soviet Union, her family probably would have been interned. Like, they would have had to go to a, a prison camp. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Like, this this part of the world and these stories, to mm -hmm. me, are my stories. Even yeah. though it takes place in Poland and not Russia, the whole, you know, Eastern Bloc, Warsaw Pact, Soviet Union, um, it really, like, strikes a chord with me. Mm -hmm. So um, I fell in love with it. I feel like it's a very nuanced story about immigration mm -hmm. and about refugees and about, you know, sometimes when you leave your home country, it's not better. Mm -hmm. um, and it's about agency and making choices. So I felt like the story was saying so many more things than just about romance. Mm -hmm. The romance was a frame for yeah. talking about yeah. post-World War II devastation and what it means for the individual. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and like I think I think you're right. Like I think there's layers to it for sure. I don't know. Again, I can't even I can't even tell you 100% what some of my issues were right. with, with it. But it's just more coming out with this feeling of okay, mm -hmm. and then and then kind of moving forward. Where the things that for me stuck out are the things that I think it was nominated for these reasons. Yeah. Like I think, I think it was not nominated for any writing awards for a reason. Like right. I feel like there were, there were things that they just, that just didn't come through. And you know, again, I, I, I'll self-reflect in every way. Like I thought, okay, does this have to do with the fact there's a lot of reading and sometimes it's hard to go back and forth when there's subtitles, but like I didn't feel that way with Roma. Um, even though I thought, you know, I think Cold War moves better than Roma. I think Roma's a little slow. I think Cold War kept moving very Super well. Super tight. Yeah, the very tight. Under film. an hour and a half. Yeah, and like doesn't feel too short, which mm -hmm. is really good. Like got everything in there, made it work. Very concise movie. Um, so again, it, I'm just I'm comparing those two because I feel like there's a, there's such a similarity here right. to styles. There's a similarity here to to bringing in other cultures in a way where they're not just being like, okay, everyone's speaking mm -hmm. English. Like they're using language in a very powerful way. I feel like Cold War hit cinematography and direction a little bit better the than Roma. Was... But story, I was more connected to what was going on in Roma and I was more like involved in it. I felt almost disconnected during Cold War where I was focusing so much on what an amazing shot that was. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic landscape that is. What a great frame that is. Like, I was so focused on that that I felt disconnected to the story. Do you think if the movie was longer, you would have had more time to connect to the characters? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I and I and now that you say that, actually, that's that's an interesting point because maybe that's what I was list that, that I was missing that I did have with Roma is you're, you're kind of with people longer. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Cold War, it kind of gets to it. But I also like concise movies. So it was tight. But, yeah. The director only showed you what you needed to know to move to the next scene. Yeah. But again, you, you might be right. Maybe if I had, maybe this is the rare occasion where I wanted 20 more minutes yeah. to sit with both the lead characters who were great, by the way, mm -hmm. great performances, but to get to know them a little bit more because I and I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense when you have already a connection to something, whether it be within the past or an emotional connection or like you're saying studying like for you, it sounds like you have layers connecting <laughs> to this. I think you go in with more mm -hmm. to go from. I can only go off of the less than an hour and a half of yeah. film that I saw. Like I think it's like 86 minutes or something mm -hmm. like that's 
all I'm given. So uh, I actually kind of feel this way when I saw the movie Carol, where I felt like I didn't get enough of these characters to care about them. But people who were emotionally connected to the story of these two women falling in love felt more mm-hmm. but i was like well I, you need to show me more you need to you need show a bigger me frame of reference absolutely or, yeah. yeah yeah so maybe that's it maybe maybe you helped uncover why i was confused but for at two the same days. time like um you shouldn't necessarily have to have like a reading list in order to go into a film no. you know what i mean like no, i don't think you um sometimes more more often than not a film should be able to stand on its own mm-hmm. so now i'm kind of playing a little bit of the devil's advocate but I see it both ways. If it's an opportunity for you to learn more about the uh, Eastern European experience mm-hmm. after World War II, then please do your research because mm-hmm. it's a beautiful and horrible, sad mm-hmm. story. But um, at the same time, you shouldn't necessarily have to read a textbook before going to a movie to be no. able to enjoy it. But I think, like like you're saying, a good movie makes you want to, yeah. to know more. So even though... You know, I'm saying this in a critical way that the story didn't give me enough of these two characters. The fact that I'm left wanting more is also a good thing Mm -hmm. because I do think (laughs) we're both playing both sides of this. (laughs) But but I do think I do think that shows they did something interesting enough to intrigue me, which is, you know, a good thing for any film to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean, all in all... You know, I, I still thought the film was so well done that, like, I I just can't imagine not seeing this on a big screen. Like, I think you have yeah. to go and experience this because just what you're saying, if you're if you're someone who's even remotely interested in film, you can learn a lot about direction and cinematography just by watching this. That's like who did um, there's a story. I think it's Orson Welles before the only prep he did before Citizen Kane was watching Stagecoach mm. like a hundred times. <laughs> That was like the only in order to like learn about cinematography and direction. Yeah, yeah. Like to me, this is a movie. If you ever wanted to learn yeah, about cinematography, definitely. if you wanted to learn how to properly frame and edit a movie, just watch this movie a hundred yeah, times. Absolutely. Like don't read a textbook. Watch Cold War. Yeah. Like this movie was phenomenal. Yeah. And they, and I think again, like Eastern European film for years, decades have approached cinematography in a very different way mm-hmm. than the West. It may be because it was a closed. I mean, from 45 until 91, they were essentially closed. Yeah. Um, and so they were only speaking to um, other Eastern European countries. But please do yourself a favor. Watch some Soviet and Eastern European mm, films from I that will. period because their cinematography blows Western cinematography yeah. out of the water. Yeah. And, I, and it's good to f- see, like, with that being the case, it's good to see a movie break through that Mm -hmm. to the point where it's being recognized by the academy because that's going to make people like me want to know more and want to now research a new or at least a seemingly new cinematography style that i'm not that familiar with but is amazing so but if it's being done somewhere else and that's the way it's been done forever i mean that can open new doors for a lot of filmmakers which is great um i'd love to see more films come from that part of the world and get recognition over here so yeah like cold war that type of movie is going to i think do a lot of good because i see it winning some oscars so i hope so i think it will like i don't think you can i don't think anyone who is judging something on best cinematography can look at this and be like, nah. You never know, <laughs> like, though. You I never... know, but still, like, what are you going to pick over it? What's even <laughs> up for it? I'm going to see what's up for best cinematography, actually. You keep talking. I don't. I just think everything that I always want 
to win and never wins. So I'm just fully prepared for Cold War not okay. to win. <laughs> Cold War, the favorite, Never Look Away, Roma. Even, what's Never Look Away? A Star is Born. <laughs> A Star is Born is up for best cinema. The only reason the only reason why I would give A Star is Born is credit because the um the concert scenes were phenomenal. They were direct they were filmed and directed as if they were like concert documentaries, but that's the only cinematography like those only specific scenes. Yeah. So I wouldn't say like the whole movie deserves the cinematography nod, yeah. but like those specific concert scenes like Roma I would agree with being here. I would even agree with the favorite being here, but I still think Cold War was better. I, I, think I don't so. know what Never Look Away. I've never is. heard of it. <laughs> well, that's one movie I got to find before <laughs> <Whoops>. this Sunday. <laughs> because so, anyways, but, I'm yeah. 100% mind to see it. The aspect ratio was really interesting when we saw it in theater. I saw it um, opening night, and the, ori the original aspect ratio they had formatted to the screen had cut off the subtitles. So they had to restart the movie restart. and reformat it. Yeah. So it was almost like watching it like a square. Oh. But I thought that was an interesting, yeah. I mean, very rarely sure. do you watch a movie in that. I don't yeah. know what the aspect ratio was. Yeah, but like a lot of a lot of older films uh, from from North America were put in that aspect yeah. ratio because that's how TVs were. And now TVs have changed to be more so, wide. Yeah. Um, but that aside, ratio aside, I just yeah. think it's, you want to have a large screen to appreciate yeah, I agree. Uh, everything. Yeah, and like I'm I'm a see it too without a doubt just because I really do think you have to see these things on the big screen. It's playing at the screening room right now. Can't recommend enough go to the screening room and see this movie because it's I mean it's not playing at any of the multiplexes, so you gotta get... This is why this show exists to tell you about these types of movies. <laughs> the go gems. see it. Yeah, like I I have my criticisms of it. I think it has its flaws, but I think in those particular areas, it as I said, it exceeds excellence. Mm -hmm. Like there's excellence, and then there's blowing past excellence, which is what this did for cinematography. Like for I'm me. hoping to see like in future textbooks, film textbooks, this film will be cited in terms of cinematography. It would not surprise me if that happened. It was just phenomenal. Like I just, I honestly can't see it losing at the Oscars. I, I, I can't. Fingers crossed. I, like, I, well, what, they're going to be like, yeah, Star is born. Here you go. Like, I would literally my throw something. My brain will explode. Yeah, I would throw my onion dip at the television screen. Oh, my god. Because gosh. that would be ridiculous. Anyway, Crazy times. There you go. There's our, there's our, there you go, Brian. <laughs> Some passion for you. There's our Maybe, review yeah. of. Brian, I apologize if I got to be an intellectual hippo or no, I think, rhino I think, today. <laughs> I think, Rhino, not Hippo, <laughs> I think that um, some films have elements where you have to talk about it like this. I think The Favorite was one. I think Cold War is the other. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot on a logistical standpoint to talk about this film, and I think that there's more to be said. But I think the bottom line, if I'm hearing you correctly, and we're both saying go see it. Go see this Definitely. movie. Tell us what you thought about it, too. I, I'd love to hear some feedback from people what they thought about this movie. Because it probably wouldn't be a typical movie that most people would see. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. We do have kind of a special audience in terms of, I'm assuming most of our listeners frequent the screening room. So they're kind of, they're introduced to these types of films. But yeah. people who maybe aren't, who listen yeah. to our podcast who aren't going to the screening room, this probably isn't a movie that you would... Yeah. typically know about and, and go find it like wherever you are i'm sure an independent theater or, or somewhere is playing this movie like go go find the movie and and watch it if if 
you've never seen anything like what we're describing. Like it's, it is really interesting to see. And I agree with you. I think if you go to the screening room, be we're, you know, we're lucky we get these types mm-hmm. of films every once in a while. But yeah, if, if, if you're not someone who frequents the screening room or you're not from here, um, go find this movie. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Okay. See it. Go see Cold War. Great movie. Um, okay. Very quickly. Any final Oscar thoughts from you before we dive into an extra long edition of Not a Great Plan? You know, not really. I'm just ready. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> the build up to the Oscars has been so long. And I think I've said it before on the show. I'm not really an award person. Mm. You know what I mean? So like for me, I'm kind of just like I have a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of award fatigue. Oh. I'll be looking forward to closing this chapter on the oscars i'm very excited about uh seeing who the winner of the pool is though yes Um, i personally am not good at picking like i said normally the movies that i want Mm. don't don't win (laughs) that's why you that's the thing about this pool you can't pick what you want to win you have to pick what you think is going to win. gotta pick with the brain but i don't know i don't think like the academy thinks Mm. that's the problem yeah it's wow. tough. It can be tough. I mean, yeah, like I love the Oscars and I love, you know, watching it. And I, I hate that they keep trying to change things that I don't think is necessary. Um, I do have thoughts about that. About changing stuff? About how they've been flip-flopping, flip-flopping like the past six months. months. We'll get to it. Isn't, isn't it in our stuff? <laughs> no, we have some it's headlines kind of We have some it. headlines to talk about. Um, but what I, you know... What I'm looking forward to is, yeah, the community I think we're building around this. We've had lots of people respond yeah. to the Oscars poll. People, anyone listening, you still have until Friday to enter. We have lots of people who don't even listen to our show who's entered because That's of our fine. social media. They're like, oh, I just follow you on social media. That's great, too. Maybe we'll gain some new interest in that, the show. Like, don't get me wrong. I can't wait to like hear what our viewers or, sorry, listeners have to say about the Oscars. But the Oscars themselves, mm-hmm. I think, are going to be whatever a mess yeah. yeah they're already a mess we know we know it's gonna be a mess like but. that will be i mean i but guess that's what a worth, mess to watch it'll be worth tuning in just to see yeah, what how happens. they're like yeah. we're gonna make it less than three now it's three hours now it's still over three hours yeah, it's gonna be they, don't three hours. they don't have a host uh well they have a group of hosts so they're the avengers are hosting oh my that's a lot the last room i heard was the avengers as a group are hosting whereas like different pairs or sets of them will go up and do little bits and whatever but remember when Anne Hathaway and James Franco and it was the most awkward and they were thing ever? they did the pair it didn't yeah. work yeah. I don't know I don't know what's going on I don't know I don't know but anyway enter our Oscar poll a pool whatever whatever it is fill out your ballot become part of this it's going to be a and lot of fun you have till Friday at four o'clock to enter and until Friday to find the best onion dip recipe yes and please find. <laughs> Help me find the <laughs> onion dip. Um, okay, we've missed this for the last couple of weeks, so let's dive into Not a Great Plan. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener Not a Great Plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod. A super soldier, a living legend who kind of lives up to the legend. A man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. 
That's right, it's not a great plan, where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Here's how Netflix is squeezing 13 episodes out of Green Eggs and Ham. Not a great plan. How are they going to do that, Taylor? So they've really, <laughs> they've like expanded the story, obviously. So he doesn't like green eggs and ham while having spam Something about, like, next to Pam? It was very um, complicated, the plot, when I was reading the kind of the that press release about it. That book is complicated. I mean, it's, it's just a, a list of things that he won't. Like, he won't eat green eggs and ham next to things. Green eggs and ham is, like, the book that taught me how to read. I learned how to read late, and when I figured out how to read green eggs and ham on my own, I'm like, oh, I had my aha moment when it came to reading. So that's just an aside. But, um, so, but the, I think the, if memory serves, there's one character who doesn't like green eggs and ham and, like, lists all the places he won't eat it. Yeah, is his name Sam? No, and then there's still... someone, a character who's trying to get him to eat the green eggs. And Maybe ham, that's Sam. I think there's a Sam, isn't there? I mean, it rhymes with ham, so I would be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the premise of the television show, and there's like some pretty famous people attached. I think Diane Keaton is going to be one of the voice actors. Like, like top, like A-list actors are going to be voice acting. Um, and it's it, there's like an inventor who he's no longer able to invent, so he's rescuing a chicken from a zoo and then is going to take a cold air um uh shoot a hot hot air balloon but instead of a hot air balloon it's a cold air balloon and the inventor is going to take the chicken to the island where the chicken lives so this is not remotely what are you talking about this is is how they're going to make green eggs and ham 13 episodes this is ridiculous i don't like this yeah it's not a great plan (laughs) i don't know moving on i don't don't know like <laughs> American Girl dolls are getting a live action film too. Not a great plan. This is because of Barbie, right? Yeah. So Mattel owns American Girl dolls. So they also announced a Hot Wheels movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know how. We already have a Hot Wheels movie. It's called Cars. <laughs> and it was people like it. Maybe that's maybe that's why people like the Hot Wheels movie because Cars was so popular. Um, American Girl dolls are uh, had a movie a couple years ago starring. Um, she was the girl from Little Miss Sunshine. Allison, Abigail. Abigail Bres- Breslin. Yeah, so she played kind of um, a live action American Girl doll. So American Girl dolls, for people who don't know, they're. Um, dolls that cost a couple hundred dollars and they're normally based kind of um from a historical period so like you know like 1800s doll like colonial doll um so abigail brenzen when she played her movie i think she was like um like a reporter at the turn of the century so each doll has like a personality and it has a backstory and so in terms of like a cinematic universe they could definitely (laughs) they have a lot of source material put together the American Girl Avengers. Yeah, essentially. But um, <laughs> and you know what? If kids are willing to buy these dolls, I'm sure they're like a huge thing in America. Oh yeah, I mean they'll make. You know, I'm sure they'll make some money off off the movie. I mean, most of these <laughs> ones where it's like, here's this product that we can turn into a movie. Yeah, branding. Yeah, like sometimes it works in ways you don't think. Like the Lego Movie is really, really good, even though it's just a big commercial. 
it's it's really good but then you get like the emoji movie which is terrible yeah now they're gonna have that um ugly doll movie with kelly clarkson too ugly doll ugly dolls were popular kind of when i was in like grade eight grade nine and they're like stuffed animals but they're like ugly stuffed animals you know they're like quirky and weird so anyways kids so strange i was a weird kid i don't know like the weirdest things when we're children (laughs) Like, we like the weird doll. stuff. <laughs> like it's so these these like um, I don't know like toy movies I guess. Yeah. Um, the like you said they can be successful like Lego and then they can also be yeah. I mean, you have to have you have to have a good movie. So I mean, I understand that these movies are not selected the way of okay a director has a really great idea and we're gonna fund it it's the other way around the studio is like we need to do this yeah we have a product we have a product we need to sell this product this ip is gonna work so you just have to do what lego movie did where they went and were like you lord miller lord and miller you're great directors you're funny you're interesting create this idea and have the you know let them do their thing so i don't know i i think that that's the only way to make it successful is, is make it a good movie but We'll see. we'll see. I can't. I just can't wait for this Barbie movie with Margot Robbie <laughs> and Chris Pine. Even though it's not un- unconfirmed. <laughs> that's the fan. The fan that's, casting. That's the fan casting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> next headline. U.S. Copyright Office shades the Carlton dance while refusing Alfonso Ribeiro's ownership claim. Not a great plan. I mean. So you're familiar with the Carlton? Yeah, of course. Uh, but Fresh Prince. Yeah, absolutely. But he, I mean, he wouldn't own it. That's like so the article. So essentially, Fortnite, that really popular video <laughs> yes, game, <of> course. <laughs> um, you can like download an extra dance for your character. Oh, I don't nice. know anything and the about Carlton Fortnite. Dances. And the Carlton <laughs> dance is one of them. They don't call it the Carlton <laughs> dance. So Alfonso <laughs> suing Fortnite. Well, really, if the article goes in, goes on to say, you know, if anyone has intellectual property rights nbc <laughs> yeah well nbc or like whoever the showrunners were whoever is behind the creative process of it like nbc probably i would assume owns everything but sometimes creators have some control like if he improv if he improved the dance but again only if like if he improv the dance even though like it still might be nbc who owns that though um, like so for example in in um in star trek so, you know, with Star Trek? Yeah. Okay, you're just looking at me like, I don't know. <laughs> where, where are you going with this? The likeness of their characters is owned by by the network who, yeah. who puts it together. So, so yes, like, you know, William Shatner or Patrick Stewart or who anyone who's famous can go off and obviously have their own face. But they can't just freely dress up like those characters because they're, it's, licensed. it's licensed. So I don't know. It all depends upon – I mean, Fresh Prince was done such a long time ago. It might be a gray area because there might not be this clear. But I know with things now, it's like – you don't own it. If you're an actor on a show, you don't own anything in it. Like, usually that's negotiated. Like, yeah. you have to negotiate to own stuff. So, even if he improvised it, it might be the studio who owns everything. Well, the U.S. Copyright Office said anyone can do that dance, therefore you don't own it. It wasn't even that. Anyone can do the dance. They were like, they're like, they, they like broke down the moves and they're like, this is clearly not choreography. Mm. You do not own this dance. Anyone can do this dance. And that's why it's not, it wasn't like, oh, it's a gray zone. NBC owns it, whatever, whatever. They were they're just literally like, like, no, no, 
This isn't a dance. <laughs> just sort of like what the argument from the social network is: you can't sue somebody for making a better chair. <laughs> where it's like the idea of a chair is just like. So I guess the Carlton dance has moved into that, where the idea of like a chair or a pen is not copyrighted, yeah. but you can do whatever you want with it. Anyways, so poor Alfonso. You know, it's. I mean, he doesn't really need it. I'm sure the royalties enough are. I'm sure he gets money for lots of things and he he wasn't he the host for a while of of american's funniest home video or something didn't Ooh, he do that for a bit i don't know i think he did i know he was on dancing with the stars and the carlton dance of course. made an appearance of course that was in the article <laughs> i'm sure he's fine i'm sure he's got money and a life i'm sure he's okay <laughs> oh no Okay. So um, now we're going. So that those were the headlines from this week. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're actually going to time travel to the headlines from two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, let's hear them. <laughs> but they're still important. Not even Channing Tatum's all-powerful Instagram could help Steven Sonnenberg beat the movie marketing machine. Not a great plan. Um, I mean, so what aspect are you saying is not a great plan here? Just that, like we live. <laughs> In a society where, like, you can't... So, essentially, um, Steven Sonnenberg, who's, like, a very um, famous director... Oh, yeah, he's most, directed quite a few things. <laughs> horrible that I can't think of anything other than um, Logan Lucky. So this yeah, is, Logan Lucky. This is the his kind of one of his more recent movies, and he thought... He, like, is kind of an experimental filmmaker, and he loves, like, all processes of filmmaking and wants to experiment from, like, start to finish. So he wanted to see if he could beat the um, marketing system, like the current way that marketing is uh, set up within the studio system. You have to spend like a certain amount of money in order to get your movie well known. So he thought, I'm going to do it on 35 million instead of the uh, like multi like Mm. 90 million or whatever, like the huge like studios throw huge sums of money behind movies well steven wanted to see if he could do it on a kind of a shoestring budget even though 35 million is (laughs) nothing to laugh at so he um thought that by targeting specific he thought you know we'll target specifically the people who would be interested in this movie and then we would also use kind of channing tatum's instagram as kind of free publicity for the film well it turned out that the movie was really underwatched. like the it wasn't um marketed very well yeah um yeah. and so essentially steven sonnenberg said i learned my lesson like you can't beat the current marketing system in hollywood so yeah. that to me is kind of just it's not a good plan because it's sad yeah. that there's no way i mean i get it though like as someone who's who's i'm definitely not at the level of a hollywood marketer but I'm, I'm, you know, I study marketing every day. Like I'm, I'm into it. Like you, you silo yourself more so than people think, not you, but like everyone, (laughs) they, 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 them, you know, everybody silos themselves in ways of like, well, I mean, I didn't hear about this thing, so whatever. But like, it's so hard to reach people these days Mm -hmm. that in order to be successful in things like a film, people who are nothing like you whatsoever have to go. So it was, I mean, part of the discussion we had last week was about, you know, the the Transformers movies still made a billion dollars. There's lots of people who love those movies. Like it's like 1% 
and a lot of us that agree know each other and associate with each other think those movies are garbage there's people who think they're amazing and like that's we often forget that about marketing is that as you're you've siloed yourself to you fill your you fill your life with like-minded people so the idea that other people exist sort of kind of shuts down Mm -hmm. and it's just how human nature seems to be right now so i think in marketing it's it's so similar like he thinks like oh we'll get on instagram and lots of young people will see it well yeah not really you know like like it's not i think he said he um didn't do a lot of tv spots Mm -hmm. and realized that like oh tv commercials just feel important tv spots (laughs) are important certain ways you put out trailers are important even like even though the age of posters are done but uh, billboards and those types of things are good ways to remind people and you reach the people who aren't on things i bet there's lots of people who went on chang tatum's instagram I don't know if all of them are going to see movies. I think they're just checking out Channing Tatum. Like, they're following yeah. him. They're fans of him. So I think there is a there is a differentiation that does need to be made. There's, like, there's lots, of, even with our Oscars poll that we sent out. Like, we're doing this, like, cool thing. There's people who just follow us on so- social media and don't listen. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to make that conversion, but you also want to be okay that you have people in different platforms. So, yeah, I, I kind of get it. Like, I understand um why that would go wrong it is sad that he wasn't able to to do you know cool innovative things and didn't work but yeah unfortunately certain marketing things do kind of work and yeah. that's how you For reach a that's how you reach <laughs> masses of people if you want to re- reach individuals it's easier but if you want to reach masses of people and different types of people you have to do different things it was a good movie though yeah Logan lucky yeah no it is, I, it is a good movie but i, I wouldn't think the typical he Channing... sorry the first magic mike movie too I don't know. Because I thought that was the I thought it was Sodenberg because he did I saw a film at Queens when I was in my film class that he did from a long time ago. And I thought that was the whole thing of like he he does these kind of different movies and likes to do different things, but then did Magic Mike because he has a relationship with the Chang Tatum, like they're good friends. Yeah. Um I thought I thought, but maybe I'm confusing I don't know, maybe else. it's one of those things we'll look up later. <laughs> yeah, but... yeah, and then we'll find out nope, Mike nope, you were not wrong. even related. <laughs> okay. Next headline. <laughs> Who needs Batman? DC is making a movie about his dog and other super powered pets. Not a great plan. This is a great time to bring up that uh, Ben Affleck is out Thank God. as Batman. Thus ending Batfleck. <laughs> I'm not a... I really don't like Ben Affleck. <laughs> I, I don't... I, I thought the the two movies he appeared in as Batman, plus one cameo, not good. Um, he... I, I think... I think he can be a good Batman. I think he has the ability to do it. I just think it it, it sucked. I feel like he's, like, given up as an actor. Yeah, that too. That he's given like up. Like, why... If you I, know you're not going to do your best why did you even take the role i posted on our twitter the one of the funniest little videos of of him sad fleck as it's called (laughs) of just ben affleck (laughs) reacting to people not liking batman v superman which is the first movie he was in batman which a lot of people agree he was the best part of that movie it's just the movie was terrible um yeah, I. <laughs> it's it, it's just interesting. This whole saga of him playing Batman has been troubled from the start. Yeah. Um, and it's in. Yeah, it's it's just. I'm kind of glad it's over, and I'm kind of glad we can move on and get a new Batman. But it's just really funny to me. <laughs> I think he. I should go. I want to go on air saying that I think Ben Affleck is a good director. Yes, he's. I, think I he's just a wish good that he would stay behind the camera. I think he's moved. I agree. I think he's moved to a point where he should be a director and should... St- I think he's given up on acting and I don't think he gets the same amount of enjoyment he did when he and was younger. And it's weird. Like, even if you see him in interviews, he's yeah. 
I looks like he wants yeah, to die. Yeah. And I think he should just focus on directing. Yeah. Be creative. Um, what do you feel about these super pets? There's always been super pets in comic books. Um, I mean, But I, is there enough meat <laughs> to have their own movie? <laughs> nice. No. Absolutely not. I don't think this should happen. I think it's a bad idea. It's one of those weird things in the comic books that you don't translate for a reason because they're just kind of odd. <laughs> like Superman's dog is very odd. I think um, if, I mean, I read this obviously like two or three weeks ago now. I think um, it may be like animated and for children. Well, so that's, um, that's whatever. We kind of give children's movies a little bit of slack um but i don't know i'd rather personally i'd rather see batman over batman's dog (laughs) yeah like that's the thing like now that ben affleck's out like i'm more interested in what's going to happen next like the the um the director of of the three um new planet of the apes movies matt reeves he's he's doing a batman movie called the batman and that was the whole i think that's why this came out is because he started on the script and so i think they wanted to clear the slate and find a new batman um i'd rather see that than his dog i can't wait for the the casting frenzy like who would be your batman (sighs) what a great question who would be my batman um maybe army hammer um, oh. would be would be a pick for mine for Batman. Like, I think he can pull off Bruce Wayne, which, to me, that's the big thing. Like, I think almost anyone, not everyone, obviously. Can you be the man behind the bat? Yeah, like, I think you can be the Batman because you've got a mask on, and I think you can, do, like, I think the physicality side of it, I'm not that worried about. Mm-hmm. I mean, George Clooney did it. It wasn't good, but he did it. Um, but I think pulling off Bruce Wayne is more important. Like, I think mm. you, ha- I think that difference between Bruce Wayne and Batman, and, and it's like saying... It's the reason why Henry Cavill for me doesn't work as Superman because he's not Clark Kent. Like it just doesn't. He just doesn't fit. Um, so yeah, like Army Hammer would be one that that I would throw throw in, saying like I think he would be a pretty good Batman. Um, I I I don't know. I'd like to see. I'm trying to think. Like I'd, there's some actors I'd like to to see if they could do more. Like Clive Owen is someone who I've always thought there's more there to him. Than, than his one note acting and, and never showing it's emotion. Past the... Yeah, he's a little older. But again, yeah, if I was going for a young Batman, I think like I'd probably say someone like Army Hammer. I mean, yeah. Do you it, have a Batman? I'm like really racking my brain. I can think of Batman villains. I can think of Robin, but I can't think of Who's any... Who's your Robin? Timothy. Chalamet? Yeah. I think he would do a, a good Robin. Timothy Chalamet would be a good Robin. Yeah. Or, you know, Lucas Hedges also would be a good Robin from uh, Boy Erased um, and Manchester by the Sea. Okay. He'd be a pretty good Robin, too. Timothy Chalamet, I think, because he's so small and skinny, would be be like, would fit Robin very well. Because remember when they were setting up, well, maybe I read that wrong, but I feel like in Christopher Nolan's trilogy, um, yeah, um, you know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett. They kind of set him yeah, up as the did. Robin. Yeah, that's kind of how the trilogy. You know, ended. like he's yeah. kind of again smaller, like yeah. dark hair. I don't know. I think he would make. That's yeah, why I think I, Timothy I like, would yeah, make. A, yeah, I agree. I think Timothy Chalamet would. Be I'd love Robin. to see him as Robin. See, actually, like I think Timothy Chalamet as Robin, Army Hammer as Batman would really work. Yeah, like, I feel well, like that would work. They were together in Come by, by Your Name. name. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, that would we be already great. know they have chemistry. They got great chemistry. Um, <laughs> Dream casting once again. Yeah, there you go. We're just hitting it. We got the Chris Pine. Again, as Hollywood, Ken call us. Yeah, why? I would love to. Being a casting director would be one of the. It would be fun. Would be such a dream. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I, yeah. I. 
Now I really like the idea of Army Hammer and, and Timothy Chalamet playing Batman and Robin. And I, I guess it all depends on what comic books you're sourcing your material from like 80s and 90s batman super dark like i think of like the killing joke which i think was from the 90s like you can take your batman super super dark and then you can also do more comical like how tim burton did it you know who who would make a really sorry to interrupt you but I, i just got an idea and i think you'll like this you know who would make a really good bruce wayne I would have concerns about him as Batman, but would make a really good Bruce Wayne is our is our friend uh, Milo Ventimiglia from oh. This Is Us. He he would make an interesting <laughs> Bruce Wayne because I think he can pull off the the sadness and torchedness, yeah. but also still have that like class and suave. Billionaire. He, yeah, billionaire suave. I don't know how he'd be as Batman because he speaks in the way his mouth is. It's so specific. I don't know if you'd ever with like the mask with might. the mask in front of him, like would that work? But I feel like as Bat, like as as Bruce Wayne, I feel like he'd have all those qualities as well. Maybe we could have two actors, one for the Bat, one for the man. Yeah, and I was saying before, get, get out of this is us. Like, move on. It's time for get, him to spread for, his wings. Yeah, get out of there. Your his character's done. Get out. He could become Batman. There you go. So there you go. There's another. Let Hollywood know. I I just had an idea and I had to interrupt you. I love it. Well, our next headline also sort of Batman related. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. Okay. James Gunn will probably direct the Suicide Squad sequel, which is being called a relaunch. Not a great plan. Yeah. So this is going to have kind of this is where it's weird because they're not sure. Is this going to have a lot of the same actors in it? Um, as before or not, or how it's going to, like, the fact that it's a relaunch makes it seem like, okay, so who's coming back and who isn't? It's so awkward because Harley Quinn is having her own... Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey spinoff. We're still slated for a a Joker spinoff. The Mm. original, like, the Joker from... So, like, it's awkward because um, people, like... Characters from the first movie are tied in, set in yeah. for their own spinoffs. Yeah. How are they going to return to this film? Yeah. Whereas, like, and I've read that Will Smith is not attached to this relaunch. Oh, see, that's the thing. Will Smith and Margot Robbie were the best, the parts, best, of the best parts of that movie. Like, I like that movie slightly better than, like, critics and most people did, but it was still kind of a mess. So I understand the relaunch. I feel like in terms of, like, nuts and bolts filmmaking. Yeah. That's why it was a mess. It was a mess. So, like, yeah. <laughs> the editing was just oh my awful gosh, like, in that movie. It had a lot of potential. And yes. I think, you know, everyone loves kind of the dark. Everyone loves a, a good villain story. Yeah. And, you know, when you turn the villains and make them the heroes, yeah. whatever. I mean, I loved Margot Robbie's Harley yes. Quinn. I'm yeah, looking forward to job. her standalone movie. It also, <laughs> it's funny because there was so much backlash from the Joker's design. Yeah. And he's, he's tied, he's going to return to this movie but he's gonna have to look like the joker from the first movie like they won't be able to re maybe because it's a relaunch they will revision i think they might like i think that's why they're saying it's a relaunch where it leaves them the open potential to be like margot robbie's back but we've changed everything else like there's a way to kind of do that now the thing about suicide squad the comic book is it wasn't always the same people so you have different yeah different issues had different characters different villains that were part of the suicide squad they're called the suicide squad for a reason because not everybody always survives um so i think it would be interesting to be like okay we've got harley quinn and we're teaming her up with like 
three or four completely different people. Mm -hmm. That might be an interesting way to do it. Again, it's also interesting that it's James Gunn after being fired from Marvel, yeah. yet he's over here. And I, again, it's this whole <laughs> it's, it's messy. This whole thing. It's so messy. Um, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it too because I just like I want to see Margot Robbie do more with this character. I'm really disappointed that Will Smith isn't attached to it though. He was so good. I just love Will Smith though. So it is ballsy of them to call it a relaunch, considering that like. <laughs> The first movie came out, like, what, two years two ago? Two years ago. And it was just, like, so critically panned <laughs> that they're like, oh, we can't even be attached <laughs> to I think, the first one. I think one. we're pretty much out of time, so we got to end the episode with Taylor saying that it's ballsy of them to do that. It's a great <laughs> way to end things off. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder, fill out our, our Oscars ballot. Um, find it on our social media or just email us if you want the information. Um, screeningandkingston at gmail.com. Join us in that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go see some movies.